I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended, far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Has anyone here um, been a player in the dressing room at half time? Anyone? There must be some of you. One, two, three, few. Yeah, Nev, yeah, I thought it might be. Um, have any of you done that at a World Cup semi final? <laughs> or final? Anyone? Fewer. I think it's fair to say. Well, here's, here's a, a couple of people who, um, who have been there. Uh, anyone know who, who they are? Chloe Kelly, brilliant. Um, scored the winning goal in the final for Euros last year. Finalist, finalist at the World Cup this summer. And who's the other chap? Maritoji, semi-final, yesterday. <laughs> now, if you, if you have been watching the rugby on ITV, you'll have seen them. They broadcast, they've been broadcasting live from the dressing room at half-time as the players sit there for their, for their pep talk, as the, as the coach encourages them for the second half, telling them how they need to you know, up their game against Spain or... South Africa, how they need to live up to what they are. They, they've been selected for England, now play like it. Uh, urging them to live up to what it means to have three lions or, or a red rose on your chest. Play in a way that is worthy of being called to represent your country. 
And here we are in Ephesians 4, and Paul is urging the Ephesians to be the church that they've been called to be, to be the people of God that Jesus chose and and died for, that Jesus made into a people. So let's, um, let's quickly recap on where we've got to in Ephesians. What has God called them to be? Well, the first three chapters um, have told us uh, what God's big plan is, to, to unite everything in Christ, things in heaven and, and things on earth. We saw that in chapter 1, verse 10. And he's, he's worked that out by uniting people with himself um, and people with each other, Jew and Gentile, together in Christ. We saw that in chapter 2. They've become the new humanity, the church. And so chapters one to three are to know God's plan. And chapters four to six are to live God's plan. And we saw last week that in between those two halves, in in verses 14 to 21 of chapter three, Paul prays for them. Because it's only only by God's power that it'll happen. And it will happen because it's God's plan, and he's powerful. Therefore, verse 1 of chapter 4, therefore, Paul urges them to do that, to, to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. The calling to which you have been called. This is his pep talk. This is, this is the coach in the dressing room at half-time, and he's urging them to live up to what they already are. You are a Christian. You have been, been made alive. You've been saved, chapter 2, verse 5. So live that new life. Be the, be the player that you've been picked to be. Play the game worthy of your calling. And Paul's urge for them to walk in a manner worthy of their calling is the driving command of the whole passage Actually, of the whole of chapters four to six. And that word, call, that word urge could also be, I invite you or I call you. I call you to live up to the calling to which you've been called. It's all about their call. Chloe Kelly and Mara Toje were called to play for England. We have been called to follow Jesus. But we don't follow Jesus on our own any more than a a football player or a rugby player plays on their own. They're part of a team, and we're part of a team. We're not not called to follow Jesus as isolated individuals. It's not just about that, that vertical relationship that each of us now has with God. It's about the horizontal relationships with each other. We're called to be God's people, the new humanity, We're called to unity, and Paul is urging us to live up to our calling, to be united in Christ. So look at verse 3. He wants us to maintain this unity. And then look ahead to verse 13. He wants us to attain this unity. He wants us to maintain it and attain it. We're going to explain what those mean. We want to, he wants us to keep it. He wants us to reach for it. Those are our two headings. To maintain unity and to attain unity. So firstly, 
to maintain it. This is verses um, 1 to 6. To maintain it, to keep it, to preserve it, to look after it, to guard it. Paul, Paul urges the Ephesians to walk in a manner worthy of their calling, and that means humility and gentleness with, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, gentleness is, is probably not the first thing that you think when you watch Maritoje in the scrum. But they are bound together. And if they're going to play well as a team, they need to look out for each other. You know, on the field as, and off the field to support one another. And in that dressing room, the coach is going to be telling them to play as a team, not just as individuals. And Paul is urging the Ephesians to live as a team, not just as individuals. To be a people, a family who love one another. And he's urging us to love one another here at Christ Church with humility and gentleness and patience. And sometimes that's hard because we can all sometimes be quite difficult. Sometimes it's hard because we're all so different. But that's the point. God has brought different people together in his church. Men and women, boys and girls, old and young, people of, of different racial or educational backgrounds, people who might naturally have not much in common. That's why we need to be urged to maintain our unity. As if it was easy, if it came naturally, we probably wouldn't need the pep talk. But we do need it. We need to be urged and we need to love one another. Which means the, the humility that thinks of ourselves less and others more. The humility that that doesn't assume that my group's way of doing things is, is better than your group's way of doing things. The humility that is patient and gentle with those who are different or those who are struggling. And the humility that, that stops us thinking that we don't need others to be patient and gentle with us. Because if we think we're sorted and, and don't really need others, then we're unlikely to love others either. To be gentle with broken and, and fragile people, knowing how fragile we are. Well, Paul, Paul isn't telling us to create this unity. Uh, we already have it. We, we, we are different, but Jesus got rid of the division when he died for us. We saw that in chapter 2, verse 14. He himself is our peace, who has made us both one. No, we, we, don't, we don't make the unity, but we do maintain it. And perhaps your car needs a bit of maintenance. I know mine does. It's been a bit neglected. Um, I didn't make my car, but I am to maintain it. I need to look after it. I need to keep the oil and water topped up and put some petrol in it, hoover it occasionally, take it to the garage. 
Imagine if you had a, a valuable old car, say a, a vintage MG. Looking around. Oh, there he is. It's going to need a lot of maintenance. But you'll be so eager to maintain it, to look after it, to guard it. Our unity in Christ, our unity of the Spirit, is the most valuable thing that we have. But we're fragile and we're broken. And our our lived out unity and love are not going to be perfect this side of heaven. And so all our relationships need maintenance. We get things wrong, we, we fall back into those, those worldly divisions between people, we upset others, we, we fail to love them well. And perhaps some of you are feeling like you're the one who's been neglected. Perhaps you know you've bruised someone else. Well, let's be eager to maintain our unity. Let's be humble enough to say, uh, to say sorry when we've messed up or, or, or to ask for help when we need it. Let's be gentle with one another. Let's look out for one another. How could we do that better? How, how are you connecting with others uh, to support them? here in, in Christ Church. Maybe you're in a, a prayer triplet or, or perhaps you meet up with someone one-to-one. Um, if you're not yet in a small group, have you, have you considered joining one? Our midweek groups are, are a key part of the way that we can support each other pastorally. Um, to, to, to one another, each other, week by week, bearing with one another in love as we share life together. Do, do ask if you'd like to know more about those groups. So why does Paul want us to walk like this, to be united in love and peace? Because this unity is, is what we were called to. It's what it's all for. It reflects, look there, um, in verse 5 and 6, it reflects the unity of the God who called us. There is one Spirit, one Lord, one God and Father of all. Three persons, one God. Many people here, one church. In one body. Sharing one hope, one faith, one baptism. We are one. Sharing one faith in one God. And we should live lives that reflect that unity. Our life as church together should reflect the unity we have in Jesus. Don't think lightly of it. Don't neglect it. Use the opportunities God's given us in church to live out that unity in humility, gentleness, patience, and love. But let's not um, stay in maintenance mode. Paul wants us not just to maintain our unity, but to attain it, to reach for it, to grow into it, to fulfill it. But before Paul tells us how to do this, he reminds us that although they're one, um, although we are one, Jesus has given us all different gifts. Verses, so if you like, verses 7 to, to 11 are a sort of bridge between our two headings. So before we get to our second heading, I've got a one and a half heading. It's only a very short point. And that is that Jesus gives gifts to his church. Jesus gives gifts to his church. We're united, we're we're one in Christ, 
but we're still different. In Christ, we don't, we don't become an amorphous blob of sameness. Just as a rugby team or a football team has lots of different positions, each with their own specific role, so in church we all have different roles, different ministries. So what are these gifts that Paul's talking about in verse 8? And where do they come from? Well, they come from Jesus. So in verse 8, Paul uses um, Psalm 68 to remind us that Jesus is a conquering king who generously rewards his people. So Jesus came down to earth to die on a cross, and he rose victorious over death. And he ascended to heaven in glory. His enemies are defeated, and he's looking forward to his final victory when he will fill all things, verse 10, He will achieve what what God has planned before time to bring everything together in him under his rule. And as he celebrates that victory, he scatters gifts to his people. Now elsewhere in his letters, Paul gives different lists of spiritual gifts that God gives to each of his people. But here the gifts that Jesus gives are his people. Verse 11, he gives apostles, prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers... Jesus gives his church, he gives us, different people with different ministries. Why? So that we can join in fulfilling his plan to bring everything together in him. So what is that plan? What is that plan for the church now? And that's our second heading, to attain unity. So that's verses 11 to 16, uh, to attain unity, to reach for it, to fulfill it. So attain also means to arrive at or, or to accomplish. It's, it's moving towards a destination. So a football team doesn't want unity among its players just because it's nice that they get along. A scrum doesn't bind together just because they enjoy being that close to each other. They have a purpose. The football team wants to score goals. The scrum wants to push the opposition over the try line. A church isn't just a holy huddle of Christians being nice to each other. Unity, unity among ourselves isn't the whole story. There's a purpose to it. Look at verse 13. To attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The unity that we're to reach for is to be like Jesus, to know him, to really know him, as Paul prayed in in chapter 1 and and chapter 3, to be like him. Mature manhood means the perfect man um, or the fulfillment of man, and that's Jesus. We're not just to be a bit like Jesus, but to be fully like Jesus, to know the Son of God, the perfect man, to be full of Christ. That's an amazing goal. Well, we won't be fully like Jesus until he comes again. But until then, as we become more like him, as we get closer and closer to how we will be one day, we'll also be getting closer and closer to each other, growing in in unity, loving Jesus more, loving each other more. I don't know whether these next slides are going to work. They look really good on my PowerPoint when they morphed. They don't morph on the church PowerPoint. But there's, there's our church. Lots of people 
different people, different backgrounds. And we're all united to each other. Little arrows connecting us. And there's Jesus, and we're striving to be more like Jesus. And as we grow up to be more like Jesus and become more like him and grow up him in him and closer to him, we are closer to each other. That's what Paul wants. To attain that unity. To grow more like Jesus. Ever, ever growing in unity together. So how does that happen? Well, let's have a look at verses 11 and 12. This is why um, Paul reminded us that even though we're one, we have different gifts. Those, those different gifts are how we attain unity, how we grow to be more like Jesus. Now, in verse 11, Paul only mentions four specific ministries. Jesus has given uh, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Those last two are, are really one ministry, pastor teachers. Now, apostles and prophets, he's already talked about. Um, in chapter 2, verse 20, if you want to skip back a page, they are the foundation um, of the church with Jesus as the cornerstone. And then look down the page in verse 5 of chapter 3. They're the ones, the apostles and prophets, that the Spirit has revealed the mystery of Christ too. So the, the apostles and the prophets, they're, they're those who have written God's word uh, for us in the Bible. And the next two ministries we still have today, evangelists and pastor teachers, those whose gift it is to bring the good news of Jesus to those who, who don't yet follow him and those who shepherd God's people by teaching them his word. So all these four are word ministries. They're all proclaiming God's word. Why? Well, look at verse 12. To equip the saints for ministry. The saints, that's, that's God's people. That's all of us who, who know and love Jesus. Those who preach and teach God's word are doing it so that those who hear it will be equipped for ministry. Ministry for what? for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of being more and more like Jesus. So church ministry doesn't mean the vicar or the staff team. It, it doesn't mean just the Sunday school teachers or small group leaders. It means all of us. All of us, the whole church serving in ministry. The word ministers, the, the, those who preach and teach the Bible, their job is to equip all of us to serve one another, to love one another, so that we maintain our unity and humility and gentleness and patience, and so that we attain to the unity of becoming more like Jesus. Church ministry is for all of us if we're saints, if, if we follow Jesus. And we need to be equipped to serve, to build one another up. So coming to church isn't, isn't like um, going to a football match and, and sitting in the stands and watching the church leaders play. No, being church is being part of the team. You're on the field. So get playing. 
No one can play all the positions that are needed. That's why God gives us different ministries, so that we have a, a full brack and a, and a prop forward and a scrum half. If anyone's in the stands, it, it's the world. It's our non-Christian friends looking on and, and seeing, should be seeing, a wonderfully attractive unity that makes them want to know Jesus too. Or, or, or look back at chapter 3, verse 10. It's, it's the spiritual powers looking on and seeing the amazing wisdom of God made known in his church. Now we're all supposed to be on the pitch, looking out for one another, playing as a team to win the cup. Because if we don't, look at verse 14. The, the alternative to growing in unity and Christ-likeness is to be stunted and immature. Instead of growing up into mature adulthood, we'll still be like children who don't know what's going on or what they need to do. Or we'll be like a ship out of control in a storm thrown all over the place by false teaching. Because there is false teaching out there, there's cunning and craftiness, and Paul doesn't want us to be, to be unprepared and unarmed. He doesn't want us to be immature or rudderless. Instead, verse 15, we need to grow up. To grow up into Christ by living and speaking the truth to each other. In love. Living out the truths of God's word as we love and disciple one another. So that together we grow more like Jesus. Now Christ is our head. He's the, he's the ruler over all creation. We've seen that. He's the ruler over his church. And it's from him that, that we're nourished and nurtured. It's in him that we grow. And Paul longs for the Ephesians all to be his body. He longs for us to be his body, playing our part to build up the church so that everyone in the church is joined together, held together, working together in love to be more and more like Jesus. I asked before whether there, there are more ways in which we could maintain our unity, bearing with one another in love. How can we attain our unity more, building ourselves up in love? How can we minister to one another, serve one another. Please don't think this doesn't apply to you. If this is your church, then God has given you to this church to serve. You and your ministry are God's gift to Christ Church Bromley. It's a huge encouragement that so many of our church family are involved in serving in so many different ways children's work, midweek groups, in music, in Mission Beyond Bromley, serving coffee, arranging flowers. And many of you serve in ways that aren't on rotors and often aren't recognised. Perhaps your ministry is welcoming and, and befriending newcomers or looking out for those in trouble. I think as a church we are really blessed by all that so many of you do to serve us. But as I look around, I, I do wonder how many of us are, are not yet that involved in ministry here. We've just heard from Taryn 
um, about crawlers. Last week we heard from Zoe about explorers. Please do prayerfully consider whether you could be the answer to their prayers. Or if you're really not sure where your gifts lie, do explore them. Come and, and talk to the staff team. Chat to those involved in, in different ministries. Offer to help. Put a toe in the water. Well, as we finish, I want to go back to my one and a half point. Because it, it wasn't just a bridge uh, between Paul calling us to attain and, and maintain our unity. It's actually the central truth that holds those two halves together. Jesus descended and died to make us one people. On the cross, he, he drew people of all backgrounds to himself and he wants us to maintain that unity, to guard it. And when he ascended, he showered gifts on his people for us to attain that unity, to grow up in it as we become more like him. That's what he's called us to. And Paul urges us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. This is his halftime dressing room pep talk. Jesus wants his church to grow and this is how it grows. As we, as we are the team that he's chosen us to be, as we play the game that he's called us to play, bearing with one another in love, building ourselves up in love. We haven't, we haven't been picked to play for England in the World Cup. We're, we're not going to lose. We have been chosen to play on Jesus' team to be part of his plan for all creation, everything united in him. And in Christ, we will win. So let's play like it, and let's pray for it. Let's pray. Father, please grant us to be strengthened with power through your Spirit, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we would be rooted and grounded in love, that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen.